Welcome to this special presentation of Bait and Switch Podcast Sports, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Bait and Switch Podcast. Any other use of this podcast or descriptions or accounts of this broadcast without the consent of the Bait and Switch Podcast is strictly prohibited. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. We're doing yet another cycling-related podcast here. We've uh, gone to full coverage of all of the Grand Tours for the first year. Is this or the second year we've done all three Grand Tours? I think it's the first year. I don't think we did the Giro. Yeah. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, the Tour of Italy uh, we did for the first time this year. We're doing all three Grand Tours this year. We had Tour of Italy. We had Tour of uh, France, obviously, and now we're going Tour of Spain. Our commentators here, as always, myself, my son, Will. Hello. Will says Hi. As always, Mitch Tyke from uh, from upstate New York. Hello, Mitch. Hey, hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Mitch, as we've reminded our listeners many times, was on local NPR uh, here in Milwaukee. Now he's on local NPR, NPR up there in New York. And joining us for the first time in a couple, three, four years, our expert here from Milwaukee, um, we've got Jerry Kegel, who is part of uh, Wheel and Sprocket fame here in Milwaukee. Hello, Jerry. Hey, Chris. Yeah, Jerry is uh, quite knowledgeable about professional cycling. We talk we talk about that uh, amongst ourselves here on our on our bike rides. So let's talk about this year's Tour of Spain. The Tour of Spain oftentimes has the second best field, and maybe this year arguably the best field uh, when it comes to uh, the Grand Tours. The Giro usually is lacking because people are afraid to ride it because it's going to knock them out of the Tour. So this year we've got... Uh, the uh, Tour de France winner coming back here, uh, Jonas Vinigo, uh from Team Jumbo Visma. Team Jumbo Visma is stacked. Uh, they've got the top two favorites. Wait, did he win again this year? Yes. No, no, I can't. Yeah. I was waiting for ne- Netflix special next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, Jim off mic is not quite off mic here. Um, uh, he's he's trying to follow along here, but uh, so we've got the top two. Odds makers favorites on the same team at Yumbo Visma. Let's go to Jerry. Jerry, are one of those two guys going to win? Is it good to have two such strong riders on a team that might have some type of conflict? Well, first off, that team is just uh, so dominant. They're chasing history right now. They got a chance to do something that uh, no other uh, team has ever done, and that's to win every single Grand Tour in a calendar year. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let me ask you this, uh, Mitch. Uh, would cycling benefit from a triple crown, as it were? You know, have the riders participate in the Giro, in the uh, the Tour, and in the Welta, and to make that more possible, maybe take a week out of the out of the Giro and the Welta. Do you think it would be a good thing for cycling to have GC riders battle those three out in the same year? Uh, I think it would be exciting to have GC riders battle it out in the same year. Um, I kind of like the format as it stands just because it's so unlikely that uh, for someone to win a Triple Crown would be really a truly remarkable kind of occurrence. Um, just having uh, Yumbo Visma uh, in a position – 
to as a team win the Triple Crown is uh, is pretty impressive. And I, I have to agree that this might be one of the best cycling teams of all time, although it does make you kind of think back on uh, the heyday, which really wasn't so long ago, uh, what they used to call Fortress Sky. Uh, the Sky team, which became Ineos Grenadiers, used to be stacked from uh, top to bottom. They're, they're still, of course, really good. Um, but it was one of those uh, occurrences where it seemed like teams were fighting it out for uh, for third and fourth and, you know, just trying to win stages. Yeah, and of course, Ineos Sky were winning a lot of Grand Tours back then. Uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. Let's go to Will. Uh, is one, are one of those two riders from Jumbo Vismo going to win this uh, Tour of Spain? Uh, if I had to choose between uh, Vinigo and Roglic, obviously both really strong. Both have won a Grand Tour this year. Uh, I I have to go with, I think, Vinigo. Uh, he is fresh off the Tour, so he may be a little tired from that, but I think he's just the better climber as of right now, and Roglic is... Still getting a little along in years, and I think at first he's going to be more of the domestique role for Vinigo in the high mountains if they need to use him like that. Yeah, Jerry, uh, do you agree? Vinigo or Roglic for the top, uh, for that team or for the top step overall? Yeah, that's always a pretty hard dynamic when you have two leaders that are both really good. And, uh, you know, they're playing the card that uh, if Vindigo, they think Vindigo's going to win, and that's what all the betting odds the bookies think, too. Um, but uh, if he uh, falters, then obviously they have Roglic. But Roglic is, I think, going to be very motivated to win this because, again, chasing history, it's going to be his fourth. Yeah. His fourth Vuelta tying all time with uh, Roberto Heras. Right. And But Vindigo is chasing history, too, because... Uh, he will be the first one since the Vuelta in 1995 went to after the tour right. to be able to win a tour and a Vuelta. That's only been done once, and that was Chris Froome. Right. And Chris Froome, by the way, <laughs> had all three Grand Tours in succession, but right. not in the same calendar year. Kind of like the uh, Tiger Woods slam where he kind of did it over the course of two years instead of one year. Uh, this always comes up every Grand Tour here, it seems, uh, Mitch. Uh, when will we see Sepp Kuss GC on Yumbo Visma, if ever? I'm going to say this. How about 2024 Welta give him the keys? What do you think? Uh, that seems pretty reasonable. I have to, you know, I, I wonder how many more kilometers Jonas Vingago has in his legs this year. I think the one thing that uh, Primoz Roglic has going for him is I, I would think his legs are a little fresher than uh, Vingago. Um, but, you know, as we saw in the tour, he's such a strong, Vingago is such a strong rider. Um, but yeah, I, I would think by the time the Vuelta rolls around again next year, uh, Roglic has another year of kind of fading. And by then, yeah, Sepkus, if he's ever going to get the keys to Jumbo Visma, it'll be the end of uh, the end of next season. Yeah. Uh, maybe the second strongest team in this uh, Grand Tour might be debatable between UAE and Ineos. Let's talk team UAE, Almeida. Joao Almeida got third in this year's uh, Giro. Ayuso, uh, Juan Ayuso. Young guy, he's about 20 years old. Uh, he uh, got third in last year's Welta. Um, Will, what do you think? Uh, UAE, can they get on that third step, the second step, or the first step of uh, Tour Spain? You know, Almeida, I've normally pegged him as someone, you know, he can get podium second at a Grand Tour, but I don't think, has has he got podium at a Grand Tour? Who's yet? that? 
uh, Almeida. Uh, he got third in this year's uh, Giro. Okay. Okay. Well, um, a lot lately he's been getting, you know, fourth spits in these bigger grand tours, especially with one as, you know, stacked with competition as this one. So I don't know if Almeida is going to be the one to do it, especially, uh, do you know how much time traveling miles are there? I think there's one, one. just one, just 30 K okay. and one team time trial. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't think UAE is going to be, uh, the one to win the team time trial, but, uh, Ayuso also, he's really young. I, you know, that's been a benefit to some people in this sport recently, but I think he's a bit exper- unexperienced. And so. We could see him on the podium. We could see him anywhere in top 10, anywhere in top 20. He's kind of unpredictable. Uh, I'm going to say, I think, no to the UAE podium. Okay. Uh, this year's field is a little bit more stacked than last year's field. So I think third, again, for Ayuso would be a step up, ironically, but it'd probably be better. How about this, Jerry? Let's say Ayuso, young guy, 20 years old. Let's say he wins this somehow, wins the, the Tour of Spain, or maybe even gets second to Vinigo. Is it possible for UAE to say, you know what? Pogacar's had two years to beat Vinigo in the tour. Let's say Ayuso wins this tour. Spain comes in second to Vinigo, a close second. Is it time to try Ayuso as the leader of next year's Tour de France and send Pogi to the Giro? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't think so. I mean, it might be too soon, but... I, I, don't, I would see that they would uh, send him to the Giro to be... Uh, the main guy there, right. and he could uh, very well win that. He That's well within his reach, I think. Right. I mean, obviously, I know it's a little bit of a hot take to take maybe arguably the best rider, certainly overall, uh, you know, the best overall type rider in Pogacar and not put him at the tour. But I think Pogacar is a guy that likes history. I think Pogacar does want at some point to have a serious tilt at the Giro. And so maybe if Ayuso proves himself in this tour, Maybe it's time to give uh, uh, Ayuso a chance at the tour and give Pogacar a chance to maybe do the Giro well to double. Like I said, you spend all that money, maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> well, and I think it's going to be a tall order. I think what we uh, what we also have to remember is um, I don't think UAE has quite the support team with them that they had in the tour, and uh, they they threw a lot into uh, to trying to get uh, Pogachar onto the top of the podium at the tour. They didn't quite pull it off, um, and I just don't think that this is quite as strong a team as they had with them in uh, in France. Yeah. Well, let's go on to Ineos. Uh, Will, Ineos again, maybe second, maybe third strongest tour, uh, third strongest team here at the race. You got Garen Thomas, who got a close second to Roglic here in this year's Tour of Italy. You got Arnsman, who did quite well in last year's uh, Tour of Spain and did pretty well in this year's Giro. Um, is Thomas the undoubted leader of that team, or do you think Arnsman uh, could challenge him for leadership at that team? You know, I think I think Arnsman can challenge him for that leadership. Uh, it's kind of funny to me having, you know, the top three teams have arguably two leaders, all three of the teams having, you know, their uh, duo in the race for this. And I think um, I think Arnsman, you know, he's up and coming. He's shown that he can get good results. And if Ineos uh, plays their strategy, you know, perfect like they almost always do, then, you know, I can definitely see um, both Thomas and Arnsman doing well. But I think Th- Thomas is uh, the front runner as of right now, and we'll just have to see in the Welta as things you know stack out. Right, right. And Arnsman is a good time trialist, and as far as a team time trial, they'll do quite well in that discipline. Will just mentioned that a lot of these top teams have got two strong riders, whether it be Yumbo Bisma 
with uh, with Vinigo and Roglic, um, uh, UAE with Almeida and Ayuso, Ineos with Thomas and with uh, with Arnsman. The team that doesn't have a strong second leader is arguably maybe the toughest guy, in the, uh, strongest guy in the race, uh, Remco Evenepoel, who won this year's, uh, who won last year's Giro. Uh, Jerry, is that going to hurt him? Oh, sorry. And I was just going to jump in and uh, uh, Evnipol actually won last year's Vuelta, right? Right, right. Evnipol, yeah, Evnipol yeah. won last year's Vuelta, was leading the Giro when he had to pull out because of recent COVID positive. Is the fact that he doesn't have a strong number two man, Jerry, going to hurt him against all these teams that have got two strong riders? I don't think so. He's going to need every bit of support that uh, he can get uh, because uh, there's – there's no one and that team anywhere close to what he's capable of, but I actually don't think that he's going to be real competitive in this because this is such a difficult, uh, Volta. It is ridiculous how many, uh, huge days they have. They have days, they have back to back days when they're climbing 4,500 meters. But he proved himself in last year's Volta and he had a good individual time trial, won the gold at the recent worlds. Uh, what does this man have to do, Jerry, to prove himself to you? Come on. Uh, I just don't think he can handle it as good as uh, some of those other guys in the really high, steep mountains. He's really powerful, mm-hmm. and I think that he can uh, he can do a lot of stuff, but uh, I just think that's beyond him. Will he be off the podium? I think so. Okay. All right. That's uh, that's a hot take here so far. Jerry dissing. Doesn't even rem- see, rem- rem- even gonna see the podium. No, yeah. I I mean I love I'm really a big fan of Evan. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not proving it. You're not proving it. Uh, uh well according to the odds that he's he's on the podium. <laughs> right, right. Uh Will, Remco, podium or no? Uh I'm a I'm a big fan of discrediting Evnipole as well, but um <laughs> uh I can I can see it. I can see it. You know, I thought he wasn't going to win last year's Welta, and then he did. And so I feel like he has kind of proved himself to me. I can see it in this field, especially if, um, you know, those teams with two people, they have to burn someone, right? If they get too far back, they have to use him as a domestique or something. So I can see Evnipol definitely sneaking by, you know, on circumstances, right? And so if everyone stays 100%, I don't think he gets on podium. But no one stays at 100% forever in cycling. And so I think, he, yes, he could sneak his way into the podium. All right, Mitch, we've got uh, a three-time uh, bridesmaid in this race, Enrique Mas. Uh, he's been third. He's been second three times. Uh, this year's field, again, as we said, is packed. He had bad luck in the tour, crashed out in that first stage. Uh, hasn't really shown much this year because he based his year around that tour. Where do you see him in this year's uh in this year's tour of Spain? Top five, top three? I I could see him anywhere between fifth and third. I think the field is indeed too stacked for Moss to uh, to end up on the top of the podium or even second. I would be kind of surprised to see him on the podium, but I think he'll certainly compete for top ten. Um, if nothing else, I could see him uh, competing for for some stage wins. Um, Movistar is uh, kind of going through a down cycle here. Um, uh, to uh, to use a terrible pun here. Um, and uh, it's it just it it would be doubtful in my mind to see Enric Moss on the podium, but uh, but I could easily see him finish fifth, sixth. Okay. 
With no disrespect to Enric Moss. Right. Uh, I've seen it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people dissing people and then saying, you know, uh, no disrespect. <laughs> I have and, more. I, uh, I I have more faith in Remco Evnipol. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jerry. I'll throw up a couple names. Uh, kind of some pure climbers here. How will they do? How about Vlasov from Team Bora? How about uh, Jay Vine in support from UAE? Is he going to be a support rider, or could he somehow be their GC guy over the some of the ones we mentioned already? Jay Vine. I think Jay Vine is a great uh, stage winner. Okay. He, because he, he won two stages last year and, uh, he's the kind of guy that can get in the breakaway and stay. And, uh, I think that's what's going to happen a lot in this, uh, Vuelta. Are there going to be breakaway days where the, uh, GC guys aren't necessarily want to burn their team to, uh, control the whole race because there are so many difficult sections in it. So they're going to let breakaways go for guys that they don't think are, uh, competing. So I think like in the beginning of the race where there's so many mountain stages right in the beginning, they're going to, they're going to basically guys are going to go and let themselves get pretty far back so that the uh, Peloton is not worried about them anymore. And then they can go in the break and they, because they obviously don't like to let anybody that's uh, in the GC contention to get in the breaks. You know, I was talking to Jerry earlier this year, and he said it was this, it was the greatest tour ever because he was excited that there were so many breakaway stage winners. Will, do you like when the breakaway wins on these stages, or do you like it when the GC guys fight it out on these stages? What do you like better? You know, I, I think it depends on the stage, and I, uh, I think it depends, you know, on how many, uh, on how many breakaways there have been. Obviously, if you keep on getting breakaway after breakaway, it kind of gets a little samey. I like a good mix, but um, it is sometimes exciting to see breakaways split up and reform and just a mess all over the place. Those are the good breakaway stages, right? Right. Well, you know, one guy that's not going to want breakaways to win is uh, Primoz Roglic because there are time bonuses at the end of these stages, and he's kind of banked a lot of his career on winning those uh, on winning those. Uh, on those and winning those time bonuses, uh, Mitch, uh, how important do you think it is for Yumbo Visma if we're saying that Roglic is their leader to keep things together so that Roglic can get these seconds? And is that too taxing on the team? And in light of that, should they maybe go with Vinigo? Uh, complicated question, actually. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Yumbo Visma plays as far as their uh, strategy goes. Um, I imagine that it's going to be important for them to stay together as much as possible, and especially early on, see who has the better legs, whether it's uh, Primoz or Jonas Vingago. Um, it, it, it'll be telling um, to see, you know, especially when things get uh, hot and heavy towards the end of some of the bigger climbs, whether one of them gets dropped and who's able to uh, to to keep up uh, with the with the leaders um i would think that you're absolutely right in talking about how important it is for them to uh, to rein in the breakaways i mean it worked for them in the tour frankly um and uh and that would certainly play into primos roglic's hands i think yeah jerry i don't know how well you're keeping up on some of the new names but i'll throw some names out at you here and tell me which of the new names do you think might have the biggest impact on this race? There's a guy in Bora, Utebrooks. Uh, he's from Belgium, and he's shown himself a little bit earlier in this year. 
a couple riders on FDJ have uh, are being touted. They're young guys, 20, 21 years old. Lenny Martinez and Roman Gregoire. Any of those three names have you had your eyes on here? Do you think any of them might get top 10 safe? Uh, yeah, I've been following some of those young guys. I always really like to see young guys coming up that, uh, you know, basically maybe you never hear of. And then all of a sudden they start doing real well. So that really bodes well for the future of cycling. And, uh, Lenny Martinez, I, I was looking at what some of his results were and I can't remember them right off the top of my head. I should have wrote them down, but, uh, all three of those guys said Utebrook. Yeah. I heard is doing very well. Right. Also. He, he did well in maybe this year's tour of Switzerland. Maybe another guy I'll throw out there, a young upcoming Frenchman, 21, 22 is uh, Kevin Vaquilin. I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but from Arkea, he he figured prominently in some of the early seasons and races. Mitch, do you have any new names that uh, other than the ones I mentioned? <laughs> Sadly, you mentioned the one that I was going to mention, Uta Brooks, if that's how we say his name. Uh, he's uh, He's got good form. I think he's the, the top-ranked um, GC-wise in terms of points um, around uh, as, as far as the youngsters go. Um you know, I, you haven't brought him up yet. I, I was looking at some of the uh, the old timers, uh, who, which means they're probably like twenty nine. Um, but uh, but I think the the terrain plays well into the hands of somebody like a Giulio Ciccone, um, who's always a tough climber. But I don't think he's in. I don't think he's on their team. I don't think he's no. been picked for. Oh, uh, did he? Was he not? Sorry, I had him. Uh, I I had him on the uh, on trek. He was not selected. Well, you know that in the in in light of what you just said, let me throw that question out. I'll throw it to my son. Will. Yeah, sorry. Some of the older guys. Uh, which uh, will? Which one of the older guys do you think might show up? I'll give you some names. Uh, David Dela Cruz from Astana, which is not that great of a team. Roman Bardet, uh, Damina, Damiano Caruso. Uh, what older name? you see that might uh, crop up here this year. Uh, you forgot Mikhail Landa. He's getting yeah. a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, Dela Cruz, I don't think he's going to make an impact. No offense to him. I don't I don't think Astana's got a good team. They got a very old team. Um, Bardet, I guess he's getting old. I remember, you know, back in the tour when he got second, he was pretty young, right? right. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bardet. I like, I like watching him race. So, you know, I'm hoping for him to do well. Caruso, he just randomly does good. I remember, uh, there was, what, what grand tour was that? He just randomly got third. He got second in the Giro a couple of years ago behind Bernal, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about this? Uh, Garrett Thomas is getting old. Isn't he? Yeah, Garrett Thomas yeah. oh, yeah. is getting old. Uh, let me ask this. This is a question I've asked before. Roman Bardet, he's been as high as second in the tour. He's fe- featured prominently in some other tours. What is more important for him? Say, seventh in the Tour of Spain or a prominent stage victory? What is more important for him, do you think? Or more important for the team? I think a stage win is going to be more important for him. I think, um, you know, there's been a few times in past Grand Tours where he's saying, I'm not going for the uh, GC. I'm going for, you know, mountains or stages. I think, you know, he could get very well get mountains here as well. But I think um, a very good stage win like on a mountain stage, that would be much better for him and the team than um, like a eighth or ninth in GC. Have much you said cachet, yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to I was going to agree. He's had a pretty distinguished career. He got second in the tour. He also got third in the tour. He won the polka dot jersey. He finished second in the world championships at one point. And uh, I think he's proven to himself. He's certainly not a podium contender unless there are, you know, really a lot of uh, illnesses or accidents, but a real prominent stage win. I think would be kind of the icing on the cake. We don't see him in the in the Vuelta too often, so um, I think it'll be it'll be just nice to see what turns out for him. I don't know that uh, DSM has an especially strong team either. So let's talk about some of these other teams and some of the other uh, things that happen in a Grand Tour, like stage wins. I looked at this uh, at at uh, the profile of these stages. There are about six stages that could be won in sprints. Teams are not bringing their sprinters to this uh, Tour of Spain. There are very few sprinters of any note at this Tour of Spain. Uh, a, a moderate level sprinter can pick up a lot of points showing up at this Grand Tour, but they're not bringing them. The sprinters of note, I'll say probably three, Brian Cocard from Cofidis, yet without a Grand Tour win, I believe. Uh, then you got Milano, who I think won, last, won in the stage last year. Uh, somehow, or two years ago in Tour of Spain. He's on UAE. And the third guy I'll throw out there is Dianese from DSM. Uh, so, uh, uh, Jerry, uh, what do you think about this sprint field? Are you as disappointed as I am? Who do you think is the best sprinter in the bunch? Oh, well, I would think Kokar uh, would be uh, the best sprinter in the bunch there. Uh, when I was looking at the uh, rider lists from the uh, just recently, a lot of the teams added in. Their full compliment and some yeah. of the teams haven't even right. gave their full compliments yet. But, uh, I was looking. It's like, where's the sprinter? So then I looked and saw the list of the top 50 sprinters. And the only one that was in there at that time was Dionysi, but they since have added Kokar. Right. So that's good. And then, uh, I really didn't know that that, uh, guy from UAE Milano mm-hmm. was so good, uh, but I was reading up about him. So that, that should be, uh, pretty good. Pretty good battle, I think. Yeah, usually the Tour of Spain is light on the sprint stages, but six is a pretty good number. I think some team like Trek or or somebody else, or another team that hasn't released their full complement of riders, Team Alpeson, maybe they could, I don't think they'll bring Philipson, but they might have a second-level sprinter that could clean up on some of these. Maybe we'll still see a sprinter out of a couple teams that haven't released their teams yet. I think even Danny Van Poppel might be <laughs> on, on there for uh, for Bora. So, uh, Mitch, uh, who do you think is going to win the most sprints in this tour? Uh, I, I guess without knowing for sure how many uh, sprinters and from which teams uh, might yet be added to rosters, uh, I think Brian Cocard is in a good position to uh, to finally break through in a Grand Tour. Um, he's always been he's um, if I remember correctly, he's good at kind of the uh, uphill sprints, you know, the sprints that have a bit of an incline uh, but are still more classic sprint stages. I don't know exactly what the finishing straights look like uh, on the stage on the sprint stages at this year's Vuelta, but I would certainly look to him as someone who might win two, maybe three. Yeah. Uh, Will, um, Tour Spain handles their points jersey a little differently than the other tours. In the Giro and in the Tour especially, the points system really weighs heavy on the sprint stages. So if you're a sprinter, you're going to get so many more points than if you win a mountain stage, for example. I believe the, the Tour of Spain... All, all stages pretty much have equal weighting, right? 
And so that's why in the Tour of Spain, you might get a GC guy that wins the, the points competition where you wouldn't see that in the Tour, certainly. Uh, do you like that idea that all the, all the stages are equally weighted in points or do you like that points jersey being uh, more for the sprinters per se? Well, I like it being more for the sprinters um, because, you know, with these cases, um, you know, with a very disappointing sprint field, uh, we went from throwing shade to uh, Evnipol to throwing shade to a whole field. Huh? Yeah, yeah, the whole the whole sprint field. Yeah. Um, you know, with this, I think I think Roglic is going to win the uh, uh, points. Right. I guess points. That, that, that's that's a reasonable pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think you know. I guess with a sprint field as uh very shallow as this one, I guess that's fair enough. But you know, if they added uh more uh points to specifically sprint stages, then you very well could get a bigger sprinting field. Which right. I think so which, would be my question is which do you prefer? Do you like the the the, the points jersey being for a sprinter, or do you mind that the GC people can participate in that? I would prefer if it was mostly the sprinters, if it was heavily weighed in sprints than in mountain stages. Right. Like equal at that. And, you know, getting back to the light sprinter field, maybe one of these guys catches fire. This happens seemingly in every, every, uh, uh, Welta where some guy wins four stages, like, uh, Tw- Trenton won like four stages, Degenkolb won four stages. Uh, so you could see somebody like Milano or Dianese or Kakard win four or five stages, and wrap up that sprinter's jersey as possible. Uh, the other thing is it's it's such a difficult climbing of Vuelta that it would be easy to imagine that we'll lose some of the sprinters over the course of the three weeks as well. Right, right. Uh, and I almost hesitate to talk about this because it's just a crapshoot. Uh, Jerry, the mountains jersey for the uh, for the Tour of Spain. Any guesses? Uh it, it's it could be it could be any one of forty riders. Uh, who do you think will be a GC guy? Will be somebody who dedicates themselves to getting in those early breaks and getting the points. I'll just ask that first. Will it be one of the top guys, or will it be somebody that dedicates themselves to getting the points? I would really love to see it that uh, somebody goes out and gets in the breakaway and uh, you know garners the points. As as this year in the in the tour, which in the tour, I think we're all satisfied yeah. with Chaconi winning that uh, that points jersey. Yeah, I'm always disappointed when the uh, top GC guys win the other win the other jerseys too. I yeah. I think that's unfair. Yes, yeah, I, I don't like that. Spread around the accolades a little bit, right? Because I mean that I think that's the reason why a lot of the sprinters aren't here. Well, number one, they have to haul themselves over these huge mountains, which is their worst. Uh, their worst nightmare. <laughs> right. And uh, the Tour of Spain, I think, is probably the most climbing heavy of the tours consistently uh, year in, year out. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I'll just say this. There haven't been many, uh, many good Spanish sprinters. And so I think that's one of the reasons uh, that you don't see many sprint stages generally in the Tour of Spain. And it's also Spain at the end of August and the beginning of September. It's going to be hot as well. Yeah. Well, we're talking more politics. We're going to get climate change here. I just talked about semiconductor chips here. Yeah, it could be quite hot. It's going to be hot here. Uh, it's going to be 100 degrees here pretty soon here in the Midwest. And like you said, Spain, it could be quite hot. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I don't think anybody's really got a pick for the uh, the mountains jersey. You know, I mean. Will's got a couple names to throw out. Let's hear it. Will. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll say maybe Storer. 
Sorry. I don't know if he's quite going to be going for top GC. He FDJ might be, group. He, group he's, a, FDJ. he's a good climber. Um, maybe, maybe Harada, uh, Jesus Harada from Kofidis. Uh, you know, he might be their GC hope, but uh, Hugh Carthy, Hugh Carthy. I think he's going to be going more for GC, right. but, um, I'm just thinking, you know, it's got to be people with free reign. I was thinking, you know, maybe, uh, Jan Hurt, but he's got to work with Evnipol, right. uh, to, you know, the best that he can. So, uh, it's, it's always really hard to guess this, Jim. I bet you could guess someone. It would be a good pick. <laughs> Yeah, you know, as, as good as us. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a couple guys myself. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on how many breakaways Thomas DeHent gets into. <laughs> Let me throw out one last general question before we get to our picks here. I mentioned this earlier. If the tour and the Welta were to be reduced from say three weeks to two weeks, as has been rumored over the last ten, fifteen years, uh, to make the calendar a little bit better. I propose this, and even propose it for the tour, but especially if you're going to take those weeks out of the Giro and the Welta, let's get rid of these rest days. Uh, I know uh, Lance Armstrong, for example, among others, has been not a fan of these rest days. He thinks it, it does worse uh, for the rider's health. And, you know, they get so used to riding, take that rest day, throws a, a monkey wrench in the things. How about throwing in some two or three sprint stages uh, that are of 80K, 100K, why are we going 200 kilometers for this last two minutes of the race that's kind of a foregone conclusion? Maybe we could get rid of some of these rest days in these Grand Tours, especially if we reduce it to two weeks. Maybe start on a Friday. If you did it, start on a Friday and did it two weeks. You could get 17 stages, I counted them out, for the Welta and the Giro as compared to 21 of the Tour. So it's pretty pretty much the same. Let's shorten some of these stages that are sprints. Jerry, what do you think about that? I personally like the shorter stages. Uh, it seems like the uh, racing is a lot more compact. It's a lot more dynamic. Uh, stages like in the tour where they had shorter stages seem like on paper that it was going to be a pretty easy day. It turned out to be some of the most exciting racing because it is so compact. And, uh, I like that style of racing anyway, just like, uh, one day racing, classic style racing. Yep. I'd be, I'd be for. Grand Tour is no more than 200K in any particular stage. I, I think these 212, 220, 230K stages really ser- serve no purpose. Uh, it hasn't been so long since the at least the tour used to occasionally do the the double header stage where they would do a a sixty or seventy kilometer stage in the morning and another one in the afternoon and I, I don't see those days returning uh, but I, I think you're absolutely right uh, some of those shorter stages can be extremely exciting and some of those really long stages can be mind numbingly dull or at least dull until the last thirty or forty kilometers of the stage in which case. You know, you might as well shorten the stage by half. Yeah. All right. Well, I talked about uh, let's get our picks going here. Um, uh, so let's go to uh, let's go to Will here first. Um, I'm going to read uh, the odds makers uh, picks here and then we'll go to everybody's picks. Right now, the odds have got uh, Jonas Vinigo, uh this year's tour winner, last year's tour winner in the number one slot. Uh, he's with Jumbo Visma in second place. The odds makers have got his teammate, Primoz Roglic, the winner of this year's Giro d'Italia. Third place, uh, we've got last year's Welta winner, Remco Evenepoel. Fourth, we got uh, last year's third place in the Tour of Spain from UAE. We've got Juan Ayuso. 
And in fifth, we got uh, Garen Thomas, former, former winner of the tour, second place in this year's tour of Italy. Uh, all right, Will, give me your top three, either one, two, three, or three, two, one. Uh, I'm going to go one, two, three on this one. I think Vinigo is going to win the Vuelta uh, España. I think Roglic is going to get second. Strong one, two for Yumbo. And I think Thomas is going to be the one to get third. All right. All right. Jim just threw up his hands. That might have been his pick. Uh, let's go to Mitch. I mean, uh, yeah, let's go to Mitch. Mitch, who are your top three? Oh, oh, we got a problem. Sorry, I was muted. Um, and maybe that was my computer's way of telling me that my picks are going to be wrong. Uh, I am going with uh, Primoz Roglic on the top step, followed by Joao Almeida of UAE, followed by Garrett Thomas. Okay. All right. Crash out. I am predicting that uh, for whatever reason, either crash or health or um, or or fatigue, uh, Jonas Vingago is not going to finish the Tour of Spain. Or how about this? Team orders are that Vingago is the domestique. You know he you know he had top slot in the tour. Maybe they're just going to say, hey, let's work for Roglic. I think that's really possible. I think that that would explain why Roglic is coming to this. It seems unlikely that they would send Roglic if he weren't competing for the top step. Um, but again, they might be looking at you know who does the best in the uh, in the first week of the tour of the uh, Tour of Spain and decide to uh, to support whoever is leading at that point. Hard to say. Yep. Let the road decide. All right, Jerry. Who are your top three? I think Roglic is uh, going to be the more motivated person uh his recent good form is just astounding he you know won two stages won the overall in the tour borgos right and uh so he's just coming off some real good form so uh i think uh ayuso is going to be in second and i think thomas is going to be in third yeah no love for evan here last year's winner well, that's no surprise yeah from yeah gary. <laughs> yeah from gary <laughs> yeah this is uh, a lot of a lot of disrespect for last year's winner well, I'm not going to pick. I'm not going to pick because I'm just a commentator. And uh, well, therefore, I, oh. all right, well, okay. All right, I'll pick. All right, let's see. I will go with, uh, should I go with the head of the heart? I will say I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go against you guys. We got we to gotta have somebody that's uh, contrary. <laughs> I'm going to pick Evnipol. Top step, two years in a row. Evnipol, his strategy to win this tour is to going to be right on the front. You know, get rid of that second option for some of these teams by dropping them, whether it be, say, Roglic or Vinigo, or whether it be uh, Arnsman or Thomas or whether it be Ayuso or Almeida. Get rid of the second option for some of these teams in that first week, and then he can go mano a mano against uh, against the leader, and that's how Evnipol wins this because he's not going to win it on team strength. So he's got to do some of his own damage to start with. Uh, second step, I'm going to say uh, Ayuso. Now I know that Roglic has been having good form here, but maybe he's a little overcooked. He uh he had a great uh Giro. He's been looking really good here lately, but maybe he's coming in a little too hot and might suffer, say in that second and third week. He's getting a little up there in years. And in the third spot, I'm gonna take uh Vinigo. Vinigo, in terms of what's gonna happen with him to get third place, is he's gonna be shepherding Roglic around. Uh, and then at some point when Roglic loses too much time, he will have lost too much time by pacing Roglic a little too much and will be out of the top three. That's my pick. I'm going to stick to it. All right. Didn't you pick from three? I picked Vinigo down, down to three. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Okay. At the end there, you said out of the top three. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. He'll be in that third place. 
Well, I just want to remind you my picks. Uh, uh, Jim, who's uh, Jim, who's off camera? Who are your picks? Well, unfortunately, a lot of you people stole my strategy. Uh, I figure Roglic has got better legs than Vinigo because uh, because of the of the tour, right. and so I think. Uh, and again, I think Mitch was saying, why would they bring him if he wasn't going to compete for the right. for the record? You know, mm-hmm. he's going to. So, uh, so I th- I'm going to go Roglic, uh, and then I'm going to go. Uh, uh, then I'm going to go Garrett Thomas, and then I'm going to go uh, Aaronsman. Aaronsman. Oh, interesting yeah. pick. Mm-hmm. Two for Minios for Jim. Yeah, I think they're finally going to get their act together over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I remind our our, uh, our listeners and uh, the people involved in the podcast here that we're going to, after the end of this podcast, we're going to do our, our picking contest. And uh, I certainly hope that we see better performance from Mitch. (laughs) Mitch, Mitch has just been in the cellar. Uh, Mitch came in fourth place in last in the, uh, in the tour came in fourth place in the Giro. And uh, I don't know, Mitch. Saving his legs. I I think it's, it's the kiss of death. The commentators curse here that whoever I pick usually uh, either uh, winds up with COVID or crashes out on the second or third stage. Mitch is arguably the most knowledgeable of our commentators here. Always has some wise words. And then when it comes to picking, he just, he just, he just (laughs) puts them in a bowl and picks them out. We're going to see. I, I think this is going to be Mitch's tour here. So anyway, I want to thank Mitch after I just dissed him. I want to thank Jerry. <laughs> Muchas gracias. Yeah, I want to thank Jerry Cagle from Wheel and Sprocket. I'll even thank Jim, even though he's been off camera sniping every now and then. And then I want to thank my son as always. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll be we'll be seeing uh, who knows here uh, uh, for our Giro commentating uh, next year. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks, Mitch. Bye bye. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we talk Packers football with our friend Jeff Grayson. You've made it to the end of another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.